morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on what time you are listening to this podcast. It is a Friday. I'm finally recording on a Friday morning. I'm so happy because I freshly just watched the episode. This is Chronicles of Power, a podcast dedicated to the world of power where I review and break down all of the latest episodes in the Powerverse. Currently, we are on Power Book 2, Ghosts. We are brought to you by Private Listed, your source for all things music, sports, culture, and entertainment. Hit us up at PVTLSTD or hit me directly at KimiCakes on IG. Did you know? I feel like I've been saying this for the past few weeks now, and I hope that you guys have got the message. But we have a brand banking new YouTube channel. Please do not forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell so that you can know when new episodes are dropping of the podcast. We have new music and we also do interviews. So we have a lot of different content on the YouTube page. So please tune in and don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell. We are about to jump into episode six of Power Book Two ghosts title of the episode is called land of lies it was directed by miss erica watson written by monica mitchell she's been with the power family for a very long time and gabriella uribe i I'm, if i'm mispronouncing her name feel free to send me a voice note or a dm saying uh the correct pronunciation but written by monica mitchell and gabriella uribe now quick thoughts before we start breaking down the scenes <laughs> This week they released Poppy's funeral cover, so his um his eulogy pamphlet. And I just want to say the <laughs> his last words of I made a terrible mistake. Listen here, Lorenzo. Of all of the things that you could have been in your life, you could have been for real. There's no way you could have thought that you that your your rebuttal or your your defense of your actions to Monet of all people was I made a terrible mistake. <laughs> Please, there's other things you could have thought of to say. The other people you could have played with like that. Granted, I will say, Monet had already put the plan in motion for Poppy to get killed. So whether he would have told her he would have sung her a love song or whether he would have told her they were shooting at him and he was shooting back, it wouldn't have mattered because she, all she knew is that there was a partial print there, no questions asked, Poppy is being laid down. Her husband of over 22 years, okay? He was going. <sighs> But anyway, speaking of Poppy, we open up the episode with Maleficent Monet identifying the body. And with such grief, she goes, yeah, that's him. No, no, no sorrow, no emotion, no grief, not a tear. Just, yeah, that's him. That's the one that killed my baby Zeke, y'all. Right in front of the... T- he, he, and they left his body in front of the Tejada bar. I, I have some questions about Poppy's body being left in front of the Tejada bar, but I'll, I'll go over that once we get to the funeral scene. And I hope that you guys have watched the Berto Cologne interview. He is the actor who plays Lorenzo Tejada. So please watch that interview. There are a lot of gems in there, especially when we talk about this funeral scene. So... What's going on? 
we open up the episode with Monet identifying the body with no emotion. Diana and Salim are doing the do, and I am sick. <laughs> I'm tired of the sex scenes. Like, I... I know some people, maybe some people like it, but from my interactions with dealing with uh, just regular people who watch the show, people who DM me, or even just sitting down watching the show with other people, like everyone kind of like feels uncomfortable when <laughs> when we got to watch these scenes. Because it's not like, maybe it's because of the implied age, ages of the characters, and I've noticed that they don't they don't show Tariq, right? Like they insinuate that Tariq is about to have sex, but they don't show him fully in the act. It it's always him kissing and then they cut away. But everybody else, they it's a, it's 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 out there. Like you know exactly what they're doing. But moving forward, so they don't know that their dad is dead yet, but they're about to find out because Monet is about to make the calls to them. So Diana and Salim are doing the do. And we see the shot from the trailer that I was discussing with the actor who plays Salim. His name is Petey McGee. So during our interview, I asked him, I was like, hey, was that the back of your head with Diana? He he was a little, he played a little coy and he didn't want to answer, but come on. Y'all know I got the eagle eye. I can, I can spot anybody. Also, uh, this week, if you're watching my stories on IG, I also posted the shot of, I believe it's Justin Combs, Big Bank Bisha, and that's Light Skin Keisha. She plays Brushandria, and I believe it's Brayden's sister. And was there one more person in the shot? There could have been another person standing on their side, but I believe it's those three. And then there's they're talking to someone who's holding flowers in their hand. And I believe they're in, I, at that time, I believe they were in front of Diana's dorm room. And this is Salim bringing flowers to her to apologize. So, yes, I did post that this week on IG. So please, if you want exclusive content, <laughs> right, and clips from the newest episodes that haven't dropped yet, please tune in to my IG. There is tons of things there for you to see. Also, I found a great IG page. They break down all of the outfits or like most of the outfits from the episodes and it is so crazy because they even give you shopping links so if you wanted to buy the jacket that Brayden had on the Givenchy jacket that Brayden had on or the Givenchy coat that Kane had on at the funeral they give you the links to it tell you the price everything super dope site it's called actually I will tell you the exact name of it at the end of the episode because I don't have my phone on do not disturb so that you know I don't get any calls but I believe it's power styles and I'll correct myself at the end of the episode if need be but let's get back to the opening I know that I'm going off on a tangent a little bit but there's so much stuff happened in this episode and I don't have a guest with me to bounce ideas off of so it's just me today I invited people to come but unfortunately our schedules conflicted and we weren't able to have a guest this week but hopefully for episode seven I do and hopefully I'm able to get my baby Mima back in the building with me or someone new possibly 
So, Drew is drawing a damn picture of Gordo with a goofy-ass smile on his face. <laughs> and I'm so annoyed. And yes, I know, as an audience member, we know things that they do not. But when I saw Drew sitting on the bed, smiling and drawing a picture of Gordo, I wanted to slap the crap out of him and shake him. Like, get yourself together. Get your emotions in order. And stop being so soft. He just killed your damn daddy. Now, snap out of it. But anyway, he's going to find out. Like, he didn't find out this episode. It may not even be next episode, but Drew is definitely going to find out. Because if it's one thing that I know, I know Diana is nosy and she is going to get to the bottom of who killed her dad. So, everyone finds out that Lorenzo was killed, including Tariq and Effie. So, Effie opens up her phone. She sees a post. She sees an article from the New York Post on her phone. And she asks Tariq if he knew that... Uh, Poppy, excuse me, that Lorenzo Tejada was killed. And he says no. And he, he looks he looks shocked when she says it. And she asks him, you know, did you know about this? Because he is acting a little weird. Even when he came back into the dorm room from the night before, he was acting a little weird to her. And that's because he just saw that Lauren was alive. And I don't know if you guys saw the memes on online, but this is when they said please Effie not now I just found out the love of my life was alive and he and he is not he doesn't have a poker face here he is pretty much like you can see something is going on with him even when he goes to class and they're they're having the discussion about America and its values and is it the land of lies or is it the land of, they don't use this term land of opportunity but is it is is America a farce pretty much is what they're saying in addition to, so who found out here? We find out that Diana finds out because Monet calls her. Kane finds out who is at a poker game or is gambling because Monet calls him. And I'm guessing, obviously, the same thing happens with Drew because their mom calls them to tell them. Tariq finds out through Effie via the New York Post. And Cooper shows McLean the New York Post. And he also, what? So hold on. I'm just going over my notes here. So Cooper shows McLean the New York Post saying that um, Lorenzo Tejada was killed. And McLean doesn't even seem surprised at this point because he knew it, from speaking to Monet that she was going to do something. He told her, don't jump to conclusions. And she jumped right over the pond to conclusions. And he knew what was going to happen. So he wasn't even surprised. He says, you know, I'll reach out to the family. But... His main concern is his client, who is Tariq, and Tariq is paying hard cash here, finding out from Jenny about the investigation to Lauren's death. If they're saying that this was an accident, why is there an investigation on it? And why is Tariq so adamant that there is an investigation about him about it? He wouldn't just be coming to McLean with no substantial information and saying this. So either Saks is BSing him and I get the feeling that McLean kind of feels that Saks is BSing or not getting the right intel from Jenny like he's not playing his cards right but we all know that Cooper or Saks already knows that there's an invest in, uh, investigation into Tariq excuse me but he's just playing coy here and he has to play his cards right because he's trying to get information out of McLean to share with Jenny so that Jenny doesn't rope him into a possible Rico case Whew. there's so much stuff going on in this show we move from everybody finding out about Lorenzo to Lauren. 
When I wrote my notes here, I wrote in all caps because I'm like, Lauren, Lauren went home to her parents' house. See, this is how I knew this child was an idiot. Why on earth would you go back? Like, you, hold on, let me stop. You ever met someone who's so smart that they're dumb? Like, how could you be this book smart and have not an ounce of common sense? If they told you, like, say for instance, right, we all know as the audience member and even her gut is telling her that Tariq had nothing to do with with the plot to try to murder her or kill her, right? We all know that she feels it too and maybe Saks confirmed that for her. But there were still other people out there trying to kill you. So Effie tried and failed. Kane sent her to do it and Brayden was the one who you think may have taken her to may have set up the whole thing to take her to you, right? If you know all of that, regardless if you if you believe Tariq had a hand in it or not, why the hell would you go home, girl? <laughs> like, why would you go home? Once I saw the pink pillows, I had to put my head down. I was like, no, she did not go back to her parents' house. And then one of the things that I mentioned before, and I'm hoping that they answer this, and I feel like they were trying to answer it here, but they didn't. Who identified this girl's body? Doesn't a family member have to come in and identify your body once they find you to, to make sure that you are the person, you are the cadaver that was found in the river, the pond, the shallow body of water? So no one from her family came in to do that. And one of the points that Effie made during her argument with Tariq was she has family. These people are going to come looking for her. So these people, these same people that care about her so much, didn't have a funeral for her. They didn't waste time to make sure that it was her. Jenny kind of answers this <laughs> Jenny kind of answers this for us, right? Because when she comes to the house, she opens up the door, she sees Lauren and she says, where else do you go? And Lauren lies and says, I only came here, but we know that that's a lie because she went to go see Tariq uh, the night prior before coming home to tell her parents that she was alive, like a dingbat. Jenny says, your parents aren't here. They're in a safe house too. She, she didn't use the, did she use the term witness protection? I don't have it in my notes, but I don't think she said witness protection. I can pull up the scene uh, before I finish recording just to verify, but I don't believe she said witness protection, but she does, she does have them in some sort of safe house similar to what Lauren is in. And that's the reason why Lauren is able to come home, not see her parents, not tell them that she's alive, not blow and not blow Jenny's whole case by revealing that she is in fact still walking among the living. One of the things that Jenny explains to her is that we put your parents in protection too. And I know that I'm repeating that, but I believe that this is what they're using to tell us, okay, maybe they no one had time to identify the body because they probably just told the parents, hey, she's dead. We believe someone tried to kill her. We're going to get you to a safe house. You guys have to uproot your life and get out of here. So maybe that's what they did. That's the only logical explanation that I could come up with for for this because they didn't explicitly say. They just said they moved the parents. They didn't say what happened after she died, what they had to do, and maybe they'll explain it later. So I'm going to extend some grace here. 
we moved to the classroom scene that I was talking about earlier. And there is a point that was made here that I'm actually pretty glad that they did in power. I know some people may think that it's corny or they they don't really like Salim's character. But there is a distinction to be made about enslaved Africans. Slavery was their circumstance, not their identity. We don't have to talk about uh, people who were enslaved as them just being slaves. They were enslaved when they came to this country and that is not their complete identity. That is not their entire history. They were enslaved and they are not just slaves. I'm glad that they made that point, even though Brashandria kind of brushes Salim off. But one of the important things that happens in this scene is Tariq defending Diana and telling everybody to have some effort respect because she just lost her father. And I feel that that was important. And I'm glad that Professor Bennett also said, do not use your your classmates tragedy for fodder. Right. Not for not for classroom banter. And Tariq is essentially saying the same thing. Granted, he's a little bit more crass than the professor and this information is useful because who is listening to this? Salim. Salim already is judging Diana about her family, about the criminality that she is exposed to and that she is around and possibly some of the criminal activities that her family are doing. And I'm not saying this, that he's not concerned and that he doesn't like her and that his concern isn't coming from a good place. But sometimes, like I said in on episode four, the episode four recap of the podcast, you have to know when to stay in your lane. There is a time and a place for you to discuss things about my family. I'm using myself as a reference here about my family to me. We just started dating. You do not have carte blanche to tell me who I should be around, what I should remove myself from. And you definitely don't have any, any space, any room, any clearance to talk about my father. None. Even if we was together for 10, 15 years, you don't know me like that, bro. <laughs> I don't care. A hundred years. Don't talk about my family. Unless I give you the permission to do so. And she has never given him that. And they've just started dating. Even if a few months have passed, they, they're just learning each other. And I think that he overplayed his hand a little bit. But he is picking up information from everybody else. And obviously her father just died and he has heard about it. And... It puts him in a pickle because he probably cares about her and he wants to, to do the best for her. But this is when he's overextending his, his influence that he has in her life. And he's definitely not there yet. Moving forward to the, to the Tahada family meeting. And they're talking about what happened to Poppy. So this is Monet and the children. Mamita is the only one who asked, did the cops say anything? The brothers already have in their mind what happened. Drew is thinking that this is a retaliation from the Russians. Kane already knows his mother had something to do with it. And Mamita is kind of like she's on the fence. She doesn't really think that her mom has anything to do with it yet because she doesn't have the background information that Kane has. And she also doesn't have the background information about the Russians. So this is why she's asking, trying to get more information about what the cops could have possibly said to her mother. And the mother wipe, uh, brushes it off and says, since when have they ever cared about us? They couldn't find who did what to Zeke and they're definitely not, probably not going to find out what they did to your dad and my husband. But 
this is just Monet being manipulative and a liar as usual because she absolutely knows what happens to Lorenzo. And you know what? I think, I think Monet, last week I, I said that Monet is now the villain and she is. For all intents and purposes, Monet is definitely the wicked witch of Queens and of the Tejada family and the matriarch. And she she's just evil, right? But you know what would make me respect her more? If she had cojones, like, like Rock. Because Rock told, told people what she did. She admit, And she even admitted when she was wrong for killing Scrap. So I put up a poll yesterday in my stories about which family you guys are riding with, right? Like, who do you think is stronger? Do you think the Tejada family is the strongest in comparison to the Thomas family? And I just want to read over, I want to go over some of the results that we got from this poll. So over 120. 20 people voted in the poll and 58% of you are rolling with the Thomas family. So shout out to y'all and 42% uh, voted for the Tejada family. I can like some of the people who responded through DM, not with not just voting, but like given the, given their reasoning as well is that, you know, the Tejada family is not as strong as the Thomas family. Granted, there is a broken bond between Rock and Lou, but there's so their sibling rivalry or their sibling their sibling rivalry comes from Lou wanting to separate himself, but he always stays down with the family. He is continuously there for when Rock needs him. Now there are times where he'll have a hard stop and say, "Listen, I'm not killing Scrap." I'll bring him, but that's completely on your hands, especially after he had to do what he did with what what happened to D. Wiz. Now, for the Tejadas, they're still growing, meaning, so I'm excluding Monet as the matriarch here, right? I'm just talking about the siblings. Drew, Kane, and Diana, they're still grooming their relationship with one another even though they're brother and sister they're still young and they they're still new or fairly new to the game as it as it relates to or in comparison to Kane and they're still moving their way around and Diana is the one who doesn't want to do it she's she has her toe in she has her toe out she doesn't she doesn't really want to do it especially now she wants to honor her dad's last wishes by just focusing on school she wants to be the one to graduate she wants to get out of college she wants to do better for her life and she doesn't want to necessarily just be a criminal like how her mom was trying to raise her to be. In this scene, this is this is what annoys me about Monet's character. Why is she so mean to them? Like even Kane is her right hand. And even later on when we see her walking with him in the funeral, you can see that, you know, she she trusts Kane. 
but she trusts she, her trust for Kane is similar to how you treat a dog, right? You'll keep them on a leash, you'll let them go as far as they can, and then as soon as they get a little too far, you yank them back in to show them that you are the master and you are the leader of the pack. And she's going to continuously do that to Kane until he turns around and bites her. Whether or not he will be the first first the first of her offspring to do this remains to be seen because later on we do see that poppy has a message for her and we'll 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 go over that and i'll try to get back into what i think that means for her going forward but her telling kane we all know that when you put two and two together you end up with five and you're dumb is so out of line and the face that he made when she said that (laughs) lets me know that he for sure knows that she did it and he's just gonna you know he's just playing the game at this point if there's anything that Kane learned from Mecca or just from being around Tariq at this point is to keep your cards close he knows that his mom is on to him he knows that his mother uh, is aware that he kept Lorenzo's secret and she even asks, you know, says to him, do you think that I would kill my husband of over 20 years? It, it's a good thing that I didn't kill him because I'll probably be gunning for you too. Now, those aren't the exact words that she used, but it that's what she's intimating to him. And he says, I don't know. I don't know if you wouldn't kill your husband of over 20 years. I, I really don't know. But he does know. He knows that she would, which is why he insinuated that to her. So he he gets this is this is going to be I feel like this was a small thing to do. But I feel like this is going to come back in a bigger way because this is their bit of clean money. Right. And they are making a point to show you that the Tejadas do have clean money, not just money that needs to be washed at the bar. They have Lorenzo's life insurance policy. Now, let's say that it's a million, 1.5, 2 million. She says to Kane, I need you to take this money and keep it clean. And Kane's idea for this is to put it in the Weston Holdings Fund. Now, here is where I have to say Kane and I don't want to say most people. We put blind trust into people who we think are experienced with people are experienced with certain things. And I think if Kane, Kane is normally wary about a lot of things. And it is kind of triggering to me that he doesn't question Braden about the family's fund or what his family does, what type of fund it is. He doesn't do any research on it. He's he's just using the clean insurance money or the insurance payout as a carrot to dangle in front of Braden. I know we didn't get to that scene yet, but the reason why I say it's triggering for me is because here's some backstory on me. I used to be a banker. I used to sell investments. And if I tell you the difference in the interactions that I've had with, well, first of all, let me say this. If you don't follow me on IG and if you can't tell by my voice, I am a black woman. 
And being a black woman in banking gave me a whole new perspective on not just racism, but sexism, the inequity in, in inequity in the workplace, the lack of diversity in banking, the lack the lack of inclusion in banking, and this is way before any this is way before any George Floyd, any any Black Lives Matter movement. This is all prior to that, right? And I was in banking. Let me see. I was a banker for about seven, eight years. So fully licensed, everything, right? Meaning that I can sell annuities, uh, any fund that you can think of. I I have I had access to it, and I can I could sell them. I could sell them to you, pitch them to you. But the the thing is, I would have to know what is in there, what we're doing, what the risks are, and give you all of that information. I say all of that to say, when people saw me, they questioned me. They questioned what I did, how long I've been doing it for. Uh, what the fund is, where their money is going, how much their return would be on the investment. They even asked me tax questions. What would the taxes be like if I were to have any capital gains on this? They would ask all types of stuff. Granted, as you you don't have to answer so answer those questions. That is, those are questions for their accountants or their tax consultants to answer. I say all of that to say. No one has asked Brayden exactly what the family does. I don't even think Tariq asked. I don't even think Tariq knows or cares. He just knows he needed an internship. He went there to work and that was it. Y'all may think I'm reading too much into this, but because of my prior experience with this, I know that people ask questions. And the fact that Kane didn't ask Brayden about the funds to bring any literature literature for him to read it rubs me the wrong way because I feel like they're just throwing their money to the first white guy or white person that they see and they think that everything is going to be okay and they just don't even know what they're doing I'm going to end my rant now I want to tell y'all another story about a music executive who came to me with their portfolio this is when I was a banker and he had no clue how his money was invested and when I asked him to bring the money over to the institution that I worked for, he dubbed me. And, and this is a black man. And he, he, I called and I tried to explain to him how his money was allocated and everything. I did everything the right way. But he kept his money with the white people. And that was that. I hope, I hope, I hope what I'm thinking is going to happen doesn't happen. But something rubs me wrong about the Westons and... We'll see. We'll see. I could just this. I just could be triggered and I could just be getting the wrong feeling from all of this. But we'll see what happens. We'll see. Anyway, so she gives Kane the insurance policy. He wants him to keep it clean. He hangs it over Brayden's head as a carrot to dangle for him to make sure that he gets back into good graces with Tariq or make sure that he finds his way back into the business. And... This is this was probably my favorite scene of the episode or one of my favorite scenes of the episode. And my boy Tariq is finally learning how to fight. And it only took Lauren being alive dead to bring it out of him. He comes off the elevator swinging, knocks Brayden clear out his boots. And then Brayden does a wrestle move and 
picks Tariq up into the air, drops him on the floor by his back. I felt my back crack when I saw that happen. Woo. But he got a few good licks on Brayden and they talk, they're talking through the blows. Brayden is like, we told you she drowned in the river and Tariq snuffs him again. He's just like, obviously that is not the case. And he says, how does Kane know about the wire? And he says, it must have been Effie, right? And we we get confirmation later on when, uh, I was about to say Woody, when Woody McLean's character Kane goes to talk to Effie and says, thank you for the heads up about it. You kept us all safe and you did what he couldn't. So we got confirmation there that it was Effie who told Woody or told Kane about the wire. Later on, let's get to another good scene. So after the classroom and Tariq asks Effie out on a date and says, you know, I want to take you somewhere. He's driving with Effie and they are driving to, we find out that they're driving to the spot where Effie takes the car to take a nice little dive into the water with Lauren's unconscious body in the car, right? Because she wasn't dead. Because Effie didn't shoot her. She just knocked her out. And tried to drown her. How she pushed the car in the water, I still, I still cannot answer that for you guys. I, I don't know where this girl got this brute strength from to push the car. But they do show you, they did make a, a note to show you that the car was is on a downward hill. So, uh, <laughs> so... So maybe that's how she was able to do it. It's on a hill and she just pushed, like give it a one, two huff, puff and push. But um, yeah, so Tariq rented a car. It, I think it was a Urus. Was it a Urus? If I'm wrong, y'all can correct me. So he he rents a Urus. They're talking to each other. He tells her about, he tells her about what happens to his sister. He's being vulnerable with her and saying, hey, I know there's stuff that you haven't, you, that there's things about me that you don't know and that we haven't talked about and she makes excuses for him and says listen that person got what they deserved I completely understand I know what's up and she opens up to him and this is where we start to learn a little bit more about Effie and her family life she had a mom I guess her dad wasn't in the picture and she and her mom had a, a lot of guys coming in and out of the house and this is where I want to stop the podcast and say this rumor or this theory that Noma is Effie's mom is dumb. Noma is not Effie's mom. She's not. It's just, she's just not her mother. And I hope that this scene could prove that for you guys. <laughs> like, just because her mom, the mom was black or Noma is black and Lombardi was Italian does not mean that Effie is their offspring. She's not their offspring. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But she's not. She just said that her mother had different people coming in and out the house. And then she married the person that was molesting her. I surely don't think, from what we know about Noma, I don't think that she is not going to shoot the person in the head that molested her daughter or that did things with her daughter. Don't think so. Because she just wanted, she just wanted the... What 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 is uh Lombardi dealing again? He does illegal firearms. Yeah, she just wanted more guns to sell, and she shot him. 
And that's the father of her child. So imagine if he did something to her child. Come on, guys. Be for real. Of all the things you can be in this world, be for real. Thank you. All right, moving up. If you and your man are talking, right, and you say to him, stuff happened to me as a child, and his response is, I'm sorry that happened to you, but is there anything else you want to tell me? Run, girl, run. Jump open, especially knowing what you know and knowing that you killed his girlfriend. Open the car door and roll your body out on the road because either he about to kill you or something about to happen to you. So they pull up to the spot where she pushes the car with her Hulk Hogan strength into the the water. And he gets out the car and says, get out the effing car. Yo, Tariq is pissed off in this episode, yo. And if there's one thing that we learned from the first iteration of power, Tariq hates when people lie to him that's why all of this is happening right because his father was lying his mother was lying uncle tommy was lying everyone around him was lying and he felt the only person who was truthful to him or the one that he thought had his best interest by being truthful was canaan and i think that the people around Tariq, especially the ones that are calling themselves his family need to be more mindful in how they manipulate him in how they keep things from him and in how they disclose the truth to him because he has a very sensitive spot about people lying to him especially if he considers you to be his family now they get out of the car eventually Effie gets out because she's nervous because she's like what the heck are we doing here (laughs) But she was too busy telling about her childhood to realize that they about to pull up to the to the murder scene or alleged murder scene. They come, they get out the car and he asks her, what happened here? And she's like, and I love that she's like to the death. She's like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to lie about it to the death. <laughs> like I'm taking this to the grave, taking it to the grave. If you about to kill me, I'm not I'm not about to tell you what happened here. But he does let her know that she messed everything up. They opened up an investigation into him about Lauren's death. And and she's like, how could that be? She drowned because she doesn't know that Lauren is still alive. So she's looking really confused. She's like, you know, why? Why would they be doing that? I did everything right. He's like, no, you didn't. You messed everything up. And she 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 then snaps out of it. Right. Where she's off of the defense now and now she comes back on the offense and says i did what you guys could not do she wore a fucking wire are you kidding me right now i did this to protect you and all of us she had on a wire why is why are we making new rules for her are we making new rules because she's your girlfriend Yes, Effie, we made new rules because that was his girl and he cared about her. They had a plan to get her out of town. And here's Effie's very smart rebuttal. You think that sending her out of town meant that she was going to stay out of town? She got a family. People that care about her, they're going to come looking for her. But apparently they didn't go looking for her cadaver. They didn't go to go identify her body. 
So, Effie, I do agree. She did have a family, but they didn't identify her body. So maybe Tariq has a point. Maybe they could have just hidden her. But I doubt it. She definitely would have came back. You guys tell me, do you think Tariq's plan would have would have came through? Tariq's plan plans sometimes they come through and sometimes they don't. But him trying to hide her, I think it's, it just would have been putting a band-aid on a wound because they still would have had the recording. And eventually she would have popped back up, even if her family didn't find her, because somebody would have. Law enforcement included. Speaking of finding her, Lauren and Sachs, they they do meet up. And remember, one of the contingencies for Lauren going back to the safe house was that she would be able to meet up with Sachs. Hang on one second, guys. Okay, sorry about that. One of the contingencies for Lauren going back to the safe house was for her to meet up with Sachs. And her question here is, what if Tariq is innocent and he goes to prison for something he didn't do? And this is a valid question, right? And a valid concern, especially as his girlfriend. You're like, I don't want, I know he didn't try to kill me. It was Effie. She's the one that was there. Why on earth would he try to kill me? And he wasn't, it's not him, but... Sachs, Sachs tells her, he may have not tried to kill you. And even Sachs believes that to be true. He may not have been involved with that. But everything else at Stansfield, that was all Tariq. Jabari Reynolds, dead person in the, in the pool. Everywhere Tariq goes, destruction follows. And Sachs's explanation for that is his family groomed him to do that and I take umbrage with that statement because Sachs is just he's guessing this he didn't his family didn't groom him for this so yes they may have been murderers and drug dealers of which you couldn't prove it but they tried to keep Tariq away from this and as as much criticism as I have for James Ghost St. Patrick, he didn't want his son to be a drug dealer. As a matter of fact, he tried to keep him away from this, which is why he told him all of those lies. But sometimes, especially in Tariq's case, it may have been better just to tell him the truth to keep him away from it and not lie to him, especially lying to him in addition to neglecting him by being with uh, your side chick. Because if he would have made time for Tariq, I can guarantee you that some of this would not have happened. Either way, his dad did not groom him to do this. Neither did Uncle Tommy. As a matter of fact, Tommy Tommy tried to do the scared straight route, putting him, hanging him over a building for stealing from him. And he didn't want him to be in this life. He just wanted him to go to school. The same thing like his father. And Tasha, initially... I know a lot of people have a lot of a lot of uh, bad things to say about Tasha. And I just 
I, I wonder how some people would deal with some of the things that she dealt with if they would dealt the same cards as her. She tried to keep Tariq away from this stuff, but Tariq kept was lying. He kept things away from his mother because of the neglect from his father and the lies that his father told and the life that his father led. He didn't tell his mother everything. And his dad was in prison, was in lock, not in prison, was locked up in jail. So it's not like he could go to his dad and be like, hey, what's going on here? Can we talk about this? And then when he did, his dad flat out lied to him. Tariq and Tasha's relationship is one that they are codependent. They were codependent on one another. And he loved his mother very much and he wanted to protect her. And he... He wouldn't stop his infatuation with criminality until Tasha just had to give in and say, okay, I don't want you to get killed. I don't want you to do this the wrong way. I don't want you to do it at all. But what do you want? And remember, she asked him that while they were sitting at her kitchen table. What do you want? And he told her. He wants to learn the game. The same thing that he told Ghost outside of Grand Central Station. Teach me the effing game, Ghost. That's what he wanted. So it's not like they groomed him for it. They tried to keep him away from it. And Tasha was the one that said, I'm going to protect you by teaching you what to do. Because at this point, whether she begged him not to do it or, 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 to, or forced him to do it or cried and said listen this is not the life for you I want us to live a straight life he still was going to do it regardless and she felt her only option was to protect him and the only way she thought she could protect him was by teaching him the ins and outs if you disagree with that I completely get it but her hands were tied he was going to do it anyway and she just wants to keep her baby alive moving forward I don't like that Sax said that because he wasn't groomed for it. And, and I'll leave it at that. Um, but he does leave Lauren feeling a bit conflicted now because if he's telling her that all of the stuff that Tariq did made Raina die, he, he is the cause for Raina getting killed. He leaves out that, hey, it was a dirty cop that shot and killed Raina. He he conveniently left that part out <laughs> and he conveniently left out all of the other things, all of the other good things that Tariq has done. But now, but sometimes, sometimes the characters don't have the information to give, but I, I hope that Tariq, I don't know if Tariq and Lauren are ever going to meet again or if they're ever going to speak to each other again or if he's ever going to be able to plead his case to her because if I was her, I, I wouldn't believe him. And, and rightfully so. But now she's thoroughly confused because she does know that he didn't try to kill her. But Sax makes a good case. After all, he is an attorney. He makes a good case and says, even though he didn't try to kill you, he is responsible for a whole bunch of other things. And that is true. Tariq is responsible for Jabari, even though Kane was the one that shot him. But he had to finish him off because he was with Kane and Kane already shot him. And there's 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 not no coming back from that. It's, it's not like... If Jabari were to get better, he's not going to snitch. He's definitely going to snitch. In the words of Tariq, he is a civilian. He is going to tell, okay? He's not in that life. He is going to sing like a bird if the cops asked him, what happened to your leg? How you got shot here? 
<laughs> who did this to you? He's definitely going to tell. So they had to finish it off. You Remember, no loose ends. We later find out that when Tariq makes it back from the ditch that Lauren was driven into, he cuts Effie and Brayden out of the business. He tells Kane that they're not in it. I, I'm not dealing with them no more. <laughs> this is when Kane calls them Effie and Ben Affleck. Yo, they have so many names for Brayden. <laughs> I, I think I think I'm almost at my quota of white people names for Brayden because <laughs> they've called him she called him Bieber when they were standing outside of the door uh Kane called him Ben Affleck and what, what was the other thing I think Obi called him a pale a pale little gnome or something like that <laughs> but but I'm almost I'm almost at my fill but you know uh so he kicks them out of the business and Kane, what I was discussing to you earlier, Kane goes to pay. Kane is at the Tejada bar. Brandon pays him a visit. He dangles the life insurance uh, payout in front of Brandon and says, we can, we can invest this. And, you know, Brandon feels good about this because now he is finding his own clients to bring in money to the fund. And that's what his uncle Lucas wanted. They wanted him to be assertive, take initiative, and obviously bring in new clients. Now, meat and potatoes time. Two things. So we'll talk about, should we go to the repast? Let's see. So they do the repast at Monet at the Tejada house. Uh, Diana breaks up with Salim because, again, he is he is a a habitual line stepper and she kicks him out the house during the repast. Tariq is denied access to Weston Holden's. He's forced to talk to Brayden and Diana and Tariq. <laughs> so Tariq goes to visit Diana to tell her, sorry, I didn't make it to the repast. He does. I, I, I'm not really sure why he didn't go. Why, why didn't he go? What was he doing? Tariq is always doing a ton of things. I think he was with Effie and he had to, he was trying to draw the truth out of Effie. But anyway, so that he goes there. Salim pops up while he's in the room with Diana. Diana is tipsy and they eventually do are doing the do and Salim pops up with flowers. And he's like, you know, she, she's going to want to see me. And they all laugh at him and shout out to, uh, <laughs> uh, what's his name? Justin Combs, who has the one line, nah, <laughs> she in there with somebody else. <laughs> He's like a guy. She may, she of course she's gonna want to see me. No sir, she is not gonna want to see you. Not when Mister Tamik St. Patrick is in the building. So they do the do, and she does ask, "What about Effie?" It's so funny that Tariq doesn't even stop to think. Well, what about Salim? Does he even know about Salim at this point? I, I, th- I you know, I don't even think. I don't even think he does. Or he just doesn't pay him any mind. But he tells her that her and Effie, him and Effie are broken up and they continue to do the do. Now, he does ask her about moving additional weight at the school and he finds out that she was the one at the candy shop and he gives her the codes for the lockers on the roof. And did you guys notice the camera that is up there? They are all about to get, <laughs> they're all about to go to jail at this point because the camera is up there and we see. I- I'll get back to the camera. <laughs> 
I'll get back to the camera. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold your horses. Don't get to the camera yet. Let's move to Tariq and his, and Estelle and his grandmother. So Tariq goes to Raina's gravesite and is talking to the headstone. His grandmother comes up from behind and he asks her, what are you doing here? Just because you don't come here every week, Tariq, and you only come here when you're in a bind to talk to your sister, doesn't mean that everybody else has that same attitude. So Miss Estelle, honey, or Big Mama, as we like to call her, comes there every week. And you made sure to take away all of the people that she has left on this earth. She doesn't have your dad anymore. And I think, you know how sometimes uh, mother-in-laws are closer to their son than their own daughter? Ugh. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> he goes, um, and she, t- and he made Tasha and Yaz go into Witsack. And now they're, she's alone. And he, now he made her go into AA. So she, she, she feels a little lonely. Granted, I can completely get it. And she blames him for a lot of the things that have happened. And he is to blame because Tariq could have made different choices and which is the reason why we were so frustrated with Tariq when we were watching Power in the first place but anyway Tariq hatches a plan for Estelle to go into witness protection with Yaz and his mother he I think he may have wanted to go on the run with her but it, it didn't work out that way because Obi and his henchmen they Quarter Tariq on the train and they take him off the train they look at his bags he wasn't making a run for or at least it doesn't appear that he was he he tells them that he's going to make a drop he eventually texts his grandmother and tell him like listen it's not going to work out but you have to go to Miss Washington's office and Miss Washington is Tamika now, now y'all know how I feel about Tamika I thought we were going to be able to see her this episode or at least at some point this season and I thought we would be able to see Tasha, but she's not there. They didn't show us. I thought once we saw that, uh, we saw Estelle, I thought we would see him because I knew, uh, I knew that he was going to try to get her there once she blamed him for everything and she told him how lonely she was. So he just directed her to go to Miss Washington's office and Miss Washington is Tamika. Tamika is uh, the attorney who helped them get Tasha into Witsack. Now, he, so he's back on his turf. So I, sometimes I wonder, did this happen to Ghost? Because we don't know anything about Ghost, Ghost's family. We don't know his mother, his father, anything. We don't know anything about him, his sisters, siblings, if he had a cousin, nothing. We just know that he is a complete loner. And the only people that we do know from him would be his children and Tasha and Tommy and the friends that he made, friends and associates and colleagues that we meet along the way but in terms of his family life or his background we don't know anything about him and this scares me for Tariq because remember when I whenever I use Tamika or I talk about Tamika I say Tamika is the person that grounds Tariq she is the person that brings him back above water whenever he's going too too deep into the criminal world she is the one to to level him and be like hey 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 come back like there's always like a mother figure that has to be around or some sort of um, compassionate figure to say, listen, 
you are more than just what your father was, similar to what RSJ was doing for him. And I think that he has RSJ this season, a male figure telling him, like, you don't just have to be in your dad's shadow, in whatever, whatever anyone else thought about your dad. And Tamika was the one to say, listen, you can be good. You don't have to do that. And now we don't see Tamika. We only have RSJ and we've only seen him for two episodes thus far. So it scares me that he doesn't have any family left, like really blood family left to keep him connected or to, to center him and for him to continue to have empathy. I think that this is going to harden Tariq. I think that he now, if he was a little bit compassionate before if he was empathetic before I think that's starting to dwindle away because all of the touches that made him not necessarily soft but made that humanized him and that I think separated him from his dad they're starting to go away his mother was one of the people too obviously who he cared for and that and that is why one of the differences or one of the main differences that I found with Ghost and Tariq is that Ghost was completely self-serving. Everything was centered on his self-preservation. And Tariq isn't necessarily like that. He's always looking out for everyone around him. Now, people may say that Ghost was doing the same thing too, keeping everyone afloat. But remember, Ghost only kept those people afloat because it benefited him. Always keep that in mind. And a stark contrast to that is instead of killing Lauren, Tariq has empathy there and tries to send her away and doesn't kill her and is mad at the people who did try to kill her. So And, and that's the difference. But we'll, we could always talk about ghosts. I could talk about ghosts for hours. Let's get to where the real ghosts are. Bonet's face during the funeral. <laughs> she looked like she wanted to be anywhere but there. Okay. If she could have been playing spades back at her house, she would have left and went if it wouldn't have looked bad. But <laughs> if they wouldn't have opened up an investigation into her if she did so. Diana's Vaseline tears. I was done. First of all, what did they put on this girl's face for her face to look like that? Because those were not tears. It looked like Vaseline. It looked like they put globs like strips of Vaseline on her face to make it look like she was crying Blanca and Jenny in the back so what happened to Blanca and Jenny when these people started shooting because uh, and then the reason why I held off on the camera is remember when Blanca and Jenny are sitting in the back of the funeral they have Diana on camera putting something into the lockers <sighs> I'm hoping that so normally with uh, normal normal power storyline is by the time the cops go up there to look in the lockers and get them open they'll ha the lockers will be empty or they'll have like candy or something in there i'm hoping that at least one of them noticed the camera on the roof at, at some point because that's the only way they're going to get out of this jam unless they're all going to to jail at this point uh Another question that I have. Kane goes up to talk to his dad, saying, family first, I'm not going to let you down. And he, he, like Diana, is wanting to prove 
himself to his dad. And Diana wants to continue school. Cain wants to be the proper leader of the family, which is something that Cain has always wanted. And Cain takes the chain off of Lorenzo's hand and places it on his chest. So remember when I asked Berto Cologne, how does chain how does how does Cain have your chain? This is how Cain gets the chain. But the question that I really should have asked was because I knew that he was gonna die if Cain had the chain, but now that I saw the death scene, how did Poppy come back with, how did he make it to the morgue with the damn chain? So you mean to tell me that Poppy got killed on the corner of Sutphin Boulevard and XYZ Street Avenue place. And <laughs> he just laid there dying, bleeding out in a blue Versace shirt and a big chain, big nutty gold chain on him. And he made it to the coroner or to the morgue with the chain in Queens, New York. Listen, before he even hit the ground, the chain would have been gone and they would have stole the bloody Versace shirt too. Like that's just how people roll. I just, I granted, Gordo could not take the chain because if he would have had that chain in his possession, God knows he wouldn't have made it to that funeral. But whatever the case is, right? How did Poppy make it to the morgue with the chain is one of those power, one of those power things, right? Like how did I... I <laughs> Last night, uh, I was speaking to Powers Fire. He asked me, how did Paz know Tommy's address? And I was like, you know, it's just one of those power things. And then my question was, how did Poppy make it? How did Poppy make it to the morgue with his chain? He, he died He died on a corner. They left him bleeding out on a corner. And, he, and everybody walking by, whoever found his body, people that reported it, they didn't take the chain off. I've seen police videos or surveillance videos of people robbing dead people for less less than the chain that lorenzo had on either way they get into a shootout with the russians we see gordo backs out we see k backing out we see drew back out and everybody is guns blazing blanca and jenny they going we don't know where they at they they were in the funeral but then we don't see them anymore uh and then everybody to they they tell Kane to stand down. Diana go goes to get Drew. And it's so funny how Monet is the one to calm Kane down, but Diana is always the one to go talk to Drew. She, they they have a closer relationship, it seems. But then there is a text that happens when we see Tariq and Brayden meet up. So after the funeral, we see that Tariq and Brayden meet up. And I see, so this is the part that, so I only watched the episode, did I watch it once or twice? So like this part I needed to rewind. But Lauren texts Tariq, we need to talk. Or did he text her saying that we need to talk? Either way, they, they are going to have another conversation. And hopefully that conversation is more fruitful than the one that they had outside in the courtyard in Stansfield with the box cutter in her hand. After the funeral, now this scene I loved. What a way to close out the episode. Monet gets a visit from bluish gray Poppy. It is so cool how they did his lighting to show that he was dead. Like he was bluish gray and he had on that blue shirt still. Don't you, you know those high questions that you ask yourself? Like if I die, does my ghost still wear the the clothes that I had on when I died? So apparently power has answered that question for us. 
Lorenzo Tejada still has on that blue Versace shirt. <laughs> he doesn't have his chain on though. And they didn't put the slit in his neck. His neck his neck was still intact as a ghost. I was I I wonder. I wanted them to put the slit. But that would be too gory, right? Because they would do that in like a horror movie. If it was a horror movie, he would still have the slit in his neck. But he gives Monet a good message here. The same way how he left Kane with a good message at the bar. He left Diana with a good message in the kitchen when he was talking to her about him possibly playing baseball and it not being in the cards for him and how she should be able to graduate college and be the one to get away from this life. But he does one better for Monet. He says, these kids are never going to forgive you when they find out. And what is she going to do when they find out? DM me your messages, what you think they're going to do. I think that they are going to turn the world upside down when they find out that Monet has something to do with it. I know Monet is going to try to wiggle her way out of this, but I either Kane is going to find out exactly who she commissioned to do it, and he, he may be wrong, he may be right. I hope that he finds out that it's Gordo and he kills Gordo, but I really want Drew to be the one to kill Gordo. You guys, you can DM me and tell me what you think. Uh, hit me up. I'll probably put a poll up so you guys can let me know. Have a good weekend and a good week. See you next time.